Fantastic. Right, before we get into this part of the session, we need some stories of what God's doing. Now, we have learned at the King's Arms that testimony is a very powerful part of how we communicate God's heart. We want to celebrate the goodness of God, don't we? Glad one of you did. Um, we want to celebrate the goodness of God, don't we? Good. It's really important that we get this principle because... When I remind myself of what God has done, it gives me faith for what God's about to do. And that's why the Israelites had to have a memorial for everything that God did. It's to remind them every time they walk past a particular memorial, God did this. And the story would be told again and again, so faith would be raised in the hearts of God's people. Now, I know in a session like we've just done, that God has been doing some stuff. There's been some deep stuff. Now, what I'd really like to do is just get some stories of what God's doing. Now, here's the rule for testimony. One, I don't want to hear about how you resurrected your pet fish last week that happened to die. Okay, we don't want to know about that. We want to know about what God's done today. And also, testimonies are not an opportunity to preach. Okay? They're not an opportunity to get up and go, let me just tell you my latest revelation. Testimonies are an opportunity to talk about what God has done in your heart. Alright? And then lastly, testimonies are an opportunity to be celebrated. So when we hear what God's done, we're going to celebrate it as if it's our victory. Can we do that? So, who's going to be the brave person who's going to come up to the front and share what God's just done today? Maybe you've been healed already and you just realized the pain is gone. Just to say this, wherever I'm going recently, we've seen people get healed without us needing to pray for them. Just the atmosphere of heaven in the room has brought healing to their bodies. So um, you might check out and see if you've got the pain. Maybe the pain's gone. Maybe something's happened. You'll find that actually you're healed already. Um, and if that is you, please tell us. We want to know what God's doing. We will pray for the sick, particularly tonight. Um, but I know many of you will get healed without us even having to pray for you because God is good. He's like really good. So, who's going to come and share very quickly? Come, dear sister. Let's love on her. Yeah, come on, let's honor her. Perfect. I know from experience that when somebody is given the opportunity, who's going to be first, nobody wants to be first. I don't mind being first because it'll open the way for everybody else. Yeah, come on. Okay. I've been a Christian a long time, hence the grey hair. Now, what I heard, it became, something dropped from my head to my heart. I've known and I've read Watchman Nee books and goodness knows how many books about we are in Christ and Christ is in God and etc, etc and we are his ambassadors but today it dropped to my heart and that adoption became a reality and that's the first time and then also about the father heart I, I, I felt the father heart so that's good isn't it come on yeah 
We need some men too, please. We're the men. We love the women, but we want men too. On Thursday, I had to undergo a most horrendous test for um, cancer. I was scared, and yet I trusted God. I had butterflies, you know, in, in my stomach. I didn't quite understand all this. And I got brave, and I just prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed. And I was eventually called to call them in, and this... And this guy put the um, cannula here for the um, sedative and um, explained all these medical things. And um, I just said, yeah, 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 yeah. And the amazing thing is, it didn't even knock me out. I was totally awake and I watched it on the screen. Another amazing thing, I was lying there and I was praying and praying. And God said, I'm going to bring you through with a very good, good um, result. And I felt the peace of God just flood me. Afterwards, um, once they cleaned up, I was given given and the actual all clear that it w- it isn't cancer or anything else and um, I just praise praise God come on come on well you stretch your hands out to this dear lady let's believe God that the next few years or many years of her life will be some of the best Come Holy Spirit, if I can just have someone come and stand here very quickly. Holy Spirit, we release your anointing upon this dear lady right now. We thank you for the best days of her life just beginning right now. And so we release your presence and your power. Thank you for the all clear in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yay God. Thank you. Come on, you can celebrate that a little bit more. She got an all clear cancer, no cancer. Woo. Right, who else wants to... We're not going to stop until we have at least two men. We've had two ladies. To keep all things equal, we need at least two men. It's called Maggie Quiet in this charismatic church. Come on, you're a cool dude. Um, yeah, basically for quite a, a prolonged period now, um, I've been kind of questioning my own sort of salvation a bit and kind of, I guess, uh, whether I'm still adopted. I had quite a big experience of Christ when I was younger, which made me certain that he was who he said he was. Um, and yeah, I've just been questioning whether or not kind of my sin has separated me from, from God, that sort of stuff. Um, and yeah, just having been prayed for there, I just feel a lot more kind of, um, peace about stuff, uh, a lot more peace in my heart. Um, I don't know if it'll sort of, you know, for definite, I've got to see how it pans out over sort of the next couple of months because it's been quite a long kind of process, uh, but certainly after being prayed for, I feel a lot more encouraged and a lot more, a lot more peaceful. Um, so, praise to God. Yeah, God, let's pray for you. Come Holy Spirit. Yay, God. Let's have one more guy quickly. 
Wonder man. Don't be scared. Be a man. Yay. Hi, this is a really, really basic, simple testimony. But um, I'm a GP, and you can understand that's quite a lot of work. Came here not wanting to whoop with delight and joy. And, um, sorry, <laughs> forgive me. Um, but just as at the start, um, God's Holy Spirit just settled on me. And just the complete supernatural peace of God wow. just settled. And it was after that I realized that I'd gone from this to that. And that's the peace of God. Hallelujah. Yay, God! Yay, yay, yay. Ain't God good? Well, how many of you want to prophesy regularly? Okay, well, some of you do. Um, (laughs) When I say put up your hand, you have to put up your hand. Be obedient in Jesus' name. Okay, here's what we're going to do is, one of the things we've realized, one of the things I've realized is that the most basic way to learn how to flow in hearing God's voice is by starting with encouragement. (laughs) The basic entry level of gift of the prophetic is encouragement. The Bible says that prophecy is to encourage, to build and to edify. Now I've noticed something about particularly uh, the English culture that we struggle to receive and give encouragement. A lot of our humour is often based on sarcasm and emphasising the truth about someone's weakness uh, in a way that's kind of slightly on the edge. Am I allowed to say that? Is that true? And in fact, I find it fascinating that in the UK we tend, um, and listen, South Africans have got loads of stuff wrong with them. So when you come to my country, you can critique all you like and you can tell us all. Because there are lots of things wrong in the South African culture. I know that. But I found particularly in the UK that we celebrate failure. Have you noticed that? That we're afraid anyone who steps their head above the periphery either gets it chopped off or people point their fingers and say, who do you think you are? And when they succeed, we normally go, well, we'll see how long it will last. You notice that? And so I find that in church, very often culture in church is determined in the same way. That we're afraid to step out in the purposes of God, we're afraid to go with what God wants to do, because we're afraid that we're going to fail. And because very often the culture in church is dominated by critique and cynicism and unbelief, rather than faith, expectation and thinking the best, we can sometimes miss what God wants to do. And so this is going to be a very practical day today, and we're going to do an activation exercise now. That's going to be way uncomfortable for some of you. One of the things that encouragement does is encouragement sees the best in you, and it puts courage into you. Encourage to put courage into someone. And so we want to put courage into one another. And uh, I've done this exercise all over the world, and I've seen God set many people free. I did this exercise in on the south coast of England, and a woman with bulimia for many years got set free as we did this exercise. Literally, demonic strongholds left. I've seen men end up weeping and crying like a little boy because God's broken into the world as a result. And so, here's what's going to happen. is I'm going to teach you the encouragement exercise. 
which is the kind of exercise that we get to practice in church to help us flow in the prophetic. Now, if I had to come to you and I wanted to encourage you, here's what will happen is I will look at you straight in the eye, eye to eye, and I'll look at Graham and say, Graham, you're a man, eye to eye, Graham, don't look at anything else, me. You're a man of full integrity. We love your faithfulness. We love your servant heart. We love the way you keep serving the church and serving other churches. I just want to say we are proud of your hard work in serving this city and the cities of the world. Can I encourage you? Now what Graham will do at that point is, and this is what the exercise is called, it's called suck it up. You'll go, Thank you, Julian. Do you have anything else you'd like to say to me? <laughs> That's a good encouraging exercise. And I will look at Graham and say, Graham, you're a great father and a great husband and you're a cool dresser. <laughs> okay? The last one clearly encouraged him, right? <laughs> and what's going to happen is I want you to find guys with guys, girls with girls, and you're not going to go, you're not, this is what Christians do. Because they're so religious, they go, let's pray for you quickly, so I don't have to look at you in the eyes. <laughs> don't pray for them, look at them in the eyes and encourage them. Alright, so I'm not asking you to pray for people. I, look, I nearly smacked someone the other day, because they were like, oh let me pray for them. I'm like, no, look at me, I want to encourage you. I just saw a young guy now, and I said to him, you're a good man. He said, no, I'm not really. No, you are. You're good. You're like Jesus. You're like Jesus. Do you get that? So, I want you to find someone, ladies and ladies, and if you don't know them, here's the thing. You can just quote a scripture, because it's true about them. It's incredible stuff works, I promise. I do encouragement in Sainsbury, this is my best. Get to some grumpy um, checkout lady who just is really tired because she's had a long day, and she's like, good afternoon. And you're like, hi, how are you? Fine. I just want to say thank you so much for serving together. I know it's been a long day and I, can, I just I so appreciate your hard work. She's like, oh, really? Oh, I hope you pack. Here we go. <laughs> it works, alright? It works. So, quickly, you've only got two, two minutes, a minute of encouragement each. And you go, I want to hear you go, <sighs> do you have anything else you'd like to say? Okay, so guys with guys, girls with girls. And uh, God's going to do some incredible stuff in the next two to three minutes. Quickly do that. Encouragement changes atmospheres, don't they? And so can I, can, I, can I encourage you to, in your local churches, to be encouragers all the time? That the way, you, the way your default is encouragement. Your default is let's bless this person, let's do some amazing things. Okay, what I want to do very quickly is I want to unpack just uh, some more aspects to Revelation um, and how Revelation works out. I spoke this morning, obviously, on sonship, but the primary revelation, the primary thing that God wants to speak to us about is our sonship. And that's how he builds the church. That's how Jesus is the foundation of the church because he is the Son of God and, and everything flows from that. I want to just unpack what I call the nature of revelation, so you can understand how God works in terms of a revelation. 
And this is going to provide a platform then for how we can expect him to speak to us through different gifts of the Spirit as well as through different ways in the Holy Spirit. So in the third session, we're going to come back and we're going to do loads of practicals. It's going to be loads of fun. And everyone in this room is going to prophesy. Okay. You ready for that? You guys want that? And then when we come together, can I encourage you, particularly tonight, will you come full of faith and expectancy? Because I'm believing God for an extravagant outpouring of demonstrations of healing. Now when we celebrate tonight, God is going to heal lots of people. Got a great email just recently. In fact, I'll just go for this very quickly just because God's done it. Got an email this week from a guy in Cape Town. I was just there two weeks ago. God uh, healed him of years of sciatica, um, pain, nerve pain. He didn't even realize that he got healed until a few uh, days later when he realized that there's been no pain since that night. So if you struggle with sciatica, quickly stand to your feet. Any kind of nerve pains or stuff like that, quickly stand to your feet. Maybe a nerve trapped, not just in your hip, but anywhere else. We're going to ask Jesus for some healing. Great. Come on. Right, you're going to help me now. So if you're near someone, put your hand um, on their back maybe, and we're going to believe God for healing. If you're in pain right now, we're going to trust God that pain will go immediately. That's the presence of God right now. It's just coming. Some of you are going to sense like a heat just go through your body very quickly. Thank you. The kingdom of God is here. Sickness, you must go right now. Pain, you must go right now. Every nerve, every trapped nerve, every pain associated with nerve, numbness, every uh, little bit of pain, go. Loose right now in Jesus' name. Lift off. I declare mobility. I declare freedom. I declare feeling. I declare uh, no pain right now in Jesus' name. Now begin to move, begin to do something you couldn't do before, to test that out if you can. And if you know something happened, wave your hand in the air. You know, maybe the pain's lifted, maybe you can sense more mobility. Just do something you couldn't do before. And if you know God's done something, quickly lift up your hand. What's happening? Trapped nerve in your hip, and how's that feeling now? And you can do stuff you couldn't do before? Come on! How long? Oh, yeah. But are you anyone else? Something's happening. What's happening to you? God's all over you, isn't he? <laughs> She's speechless. How long have you had that pain for? Two years. And now? Uh, I don't know. It's all gone. First time. <laughs> Yay! Who else? Who else? You know something's happening. You can sense something's... We're celebrating what God is doing. That young guy, just stay standing. God's on you. Anyone else? You know God's doing something. Just wave your hand. So, I want to pick up in Matthew chapter uh, 16, where Jesus says to Peter, Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven has revealed this to you. And uh, one of the first things we need to know about moving 
in revelatory power or in the realm of revelation or in the prophetic, whatever you want to call it, it begins uh, with the Father. It begins coming from the Father. That the Father releases revelation to us. That it's dependent upon relationship, not dependent upon function. Alright? Um, many people talk about function when it comes to the prophetic and they miss the point that what you're called to do is reveal the heart of God to people, the heart of the Father to people. Her prophecy is not about exposing sin and having inside information to use against people, but actually it's about revealing the heart of the Father to people so that they come into their destiny. Alright? And so the basis of all revelation, whether it be revelation for healing, whether it be revelation for their purpose or their destiny, has got to come from the basis of the Father's love and the Father's heart. Which is why I talked so extensively this morning on getting your, the, the issues around your Father and the heart of the Father sorted so that you can minister from a place of wholeness. One of the biggest things that God spoke to me about, because I've been a professional Pharisee for about 10 years. I could prophesy over just about anyone, do all the stuff. I mean, it was incredible. You know, miracle signs, wonders, they're easy because if you believe God, God honors faith. The problem was that I wasn't allowing myself to be impacted by the heart of God in it. Do you know it's possible to minister for God but not with God? And I was ministering for him and not with him. And the Lord spoke to me. And again, I was, in, I was in a church called Bethel in California. It's on the floor. I was kind of undercover. No one knew me there. So it was great. I, could, you know, go, I went forward for everything. If they did a salvation call, I was like, oh, oh no, I am saved. I don't need to go for that one. But I just about went up for every kind of call that there was. I mean, it was like, you know, mass sin. I'm like, yes, I know, I'm in big sin. I didn't care what it was. I was going up for it, you know. Um, even though it didn't reply to me some of it. And I was on the floor, God was doing some deep work in me, and he was setting me free from demonic strongholds. And I say that that strongly because actually a lot of what I was living under was a form of religion that was demonic, not godly. And God spoke to me in that moment, he said, Son, I want you to grow up and be a child. Because the posture of the kingdom is not in so-called maturity that we see on display in our churches today. The posture of the kingdom is childlikeness. You've got to become like a little child to enter the kingdom. We think that being all nice and serious is maturity. No, no, that's not maturity. Running around like a little child in a, in a wild uh, way and enjoying him and not being afraid of him, that's what... The kingdom is like. And if we're going to get revelation, that's how we've got to become. We've got to understand that it comes from the Father. The second aspect to revelation is that revelation is incubated in the arena of your heart. Now, the Bible says in Ephesians, Paul prays, open the eyes of our heart. We sing that song, open the eyes of my heart, Lord. That word heart is, is a word that encompasses three aspects of our soul. It's actually the word psych. It talks about our soul. That's what the word there means. And your soul is comprised of your mind, your will, and your emotions. Now, many Christians think that emotions are bad. Jesus doesn't think emotions are bad. In fact, at one stage in the Bible, the Bible says that he 
In that hour he rejoiced. Remember when the disciples came back and they did incredible miracles and he says, don't rejoice because the demons listen to you. Rejoice because your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And it says, in that hour he rejoiced. That word rejoice literally means to be overcome by a violent emotion. It means that Jesus got his crazy praise on. <laughs> he went a little bit wild. It wasn't kind of like, oh, great show. Okay. No, he went a little bit wild. It's the same word that Zechariah, Zephaniah 3 verse 19 says that the God of Israel rejoices over you with singing and dancing. It's a kind of, he starts just lifting his robe up and just going, yay, and doing a little dance. And he's just getting crazy because he loves you. And some of us struggle to lift our hands in worship. I'll move on. It's to be overcome by a power of emotion. The realm of the prophetic works in your mind, in the realm of your imagination. Do you know that your imagination is so powerful that the Bible equates your imagination to the realm of faith? It says that whatever you ask, think, or imagine, God will do greater than this. So God gives you permission in faith to use your imagination as wildly as possible to trust Him for that very thing to break out in your life. Shika, you should get happy at that. That is powerful. Your imagination, when it is harnessed by the Spirit of God, acts as a tool to release the very will of God in your life. And your imagination is one of the key ways that God will speak to us through still small voice. Your emotions, your imagination, and your will literally means that you come into agreement with that which you've seen. Listen. Most of us believe the lie of the enemy because we agree with what he says about us. And the result is that there's power then at work in our life. Because, do you know the Bible says, and I'll, I'll touch on this maybe a little bit later, the Bible says that the enemy has been stripped of all of his authority. Amen? That's what the book of Colossians says. All of his authority. But it is powerful. And there's a difference between authority and power. Power is the ability to act. Authority is the delegated permission to act. It's the two words of dunamis and exosia in the Bible. And what often happens is we forget <laughs> that the greatest place of spiritual warfare that ever happened was in a place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. It's a place where God, in Christ Jesus, wrought a great victory for us in disarming the principalities and powers with this air of the authority. They no longer have the delegated influence or right to be involved in your life or to try and affect your life. You can say amen, because that's good news. However, because we agree with the enemy's perspective about our life, we thereby inadvertently give him permission because God's given us authority. And when we delegate it to the enemy through agreement, he then has power to work the very lie that you believe out in your life. The antidote to overcoming the lies of the enemy is to agree with what heaven says about you. Because when you do, heaven is at work and empowered to release the kingdom of God in your life. The greatest place of spiritual warfare that you will face is not on some high mountain or some high hill where they didn't sacrifice to the devil. The greatest place of spiritual warfare is going to be the place of your Golgotha, your skull. And until you apply the cross, not 
help me here a little bit because I need to just go here for a moment. Most of us, when we come to the cross, we approach the cross from the perspective of a sinner. And so we come looking for mercy. We come looking for grace because I'm so bad. I'm so, 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 so horrible. Please God, forgive me. Well, actually the cross for the Christian is not a, simply a place of grace. It is a place of resurrection power. When Jesus says, pick up your cross and follow me, he's saying, pick up the promise of resurrection life because at the cross you became a new creation. We don't come to the cross going, woe is me. We come to the cross going, I've got the Spirit of God in me. That this cross represents that Jesus Christ is coming back again. It represents that the dead can live forever. That death has been overcome. It represents that all of the promises that was cut on covenant in this cross is now mine. I get to walk in them. It means that when I approach communion, I don't get all sad and sober. I get happy and a little bit inebriated in the goodness of God because that represents resurrection life, not death. That's what it means. And so when I apply the cross to my mind, I'm not coming, oh, woe is me, I need to suffer. No, no, I suffered in Christ on that cross, the Bible says. I was in Him. I was crucified with Christ in the life that I now live. I don't live by myself. I live it in the life and the power of God. That's what Galatians tells us. I was in Him on that cross. So now I get to partake of his resurrection, glorified life. So the cross, I make my boast in the cross, not because it's a place of suffering, but because it's a place of promise. And to apply that to my mind, most of us, because we've never understood how to operate our will in agreement with heaven, we've most often allowed the thoughts of the enemy to bombard our mind, and we have unwittingly, unknowingly, and sometimes knowingly agreed with what he says, rather than what Jesus has said over us. And it acts as a blockage to incubating and flowing in Revelation. And so people will be in worship and they'll be loving Jesus and a thought will come into their mind and they'll go, get out of my mind, what are you talking about? I, this is not God, this must be the devil. And they never take time to allow that thought to land in the seedbed of their heart to begin to incubate so that you can test its fruit to see whether it's from God or not. And prophecy works like that. You allow the seeds, the word of the kingdom, whether it's a picture, an impression, a revelation, a thought, comes into your mind. Most of us then go, I'm trying to worship Jesus, get it out of my mind. When actually what you're supposed to be doing is going, God, are you wanting to say something to me through this? And I allow it to incubate. And depending on the condition of your heart, the Bible says in Luke, will depend on the healed of fruitfulness that that seed will produce. So in Luke, we see that there are different types of soil, and for the sake of time, I'm not going to go through all of them. There are different types of soil that you begin to see in Luke chapter 8. And depending on what type of soil your heart has, will depend on how that seed will grow and incubate. The problem is that for most of us, we don't have green fingers. We've got to get into the soil of our heart. We've got to pull out the weeds. We've got to pull out bitterness. We've got to pull out any rubbish that the enemy will use to try and strangle the seed of revelation that God wants to give us.
Does it make sense? Revelation is depending upon the condition of your heart. Not only that, revelation comes to us through the training of our senses. And then we'll end at half past and then we'll, we'll pick up some more a little bit later. But I, I wanted to finish this aspect, these different aspects of revelation. Revelation um, is, is often comes to us through the recognition of our bodily senses. Now most Christians have been taught to separate the spiritual from the physical, particularly in the West. Because of Augustinian theology, St. Augustine, who was very influenced by Greek philosophy and Greek philosophical thinking, he approached the Bible in such a way as to compartmentalize through Greek thinking the spirit and the physical. When the truth is that in Jewish or Hebraic understanding, the spirit is never separated from the physical. Everything is holy to God. Work is holy to God, and play is holy to God, thank God, even food is holy to God. <laughs> Everything is holy to God. The Bible says whatever you do, whether it be eating or drinking, do it all to the glory of God. The nicer the food, the more glory you give Him. <laughs> Everything is holy to God. The only thing that is separated from God is sin. But <laughs> most of us in... Christian, Western Christian society say in Africa this is not an issue. We know that the spirit world is as real as the physical world and they interact and they join together. Most developing world nations understand that it's only in first world nations that have been influenced heavily by Greek philosophy that has separated the two. And the result is that because we've done that, anything that is supernatural that happens gets measured or evaluated through the natural. The problem is that the Bible says that that which is from the Spirit is an enmity to that which is from the flesh or from the natural. There's always going to be a battle between the spirit world and the physical world in the way that we think. <laughs> because it's from another dimension, it's from another world. It's a coexisting reality, heaven. The kingdom of heaven is a coexisting reality. N.T. Wright in his book, Surprised by Hope, which is a brilliant book, makes an incredible statement. He says that the kingdom of God is not some dislocated reality out there that one day when we die we go to heaven out there. No, it's a coexisting reality where God dwells, where everything that we see in the physical is influenced from. In other words, when Jesus said, Repent, change the way you think because heaven is now within arm's reach. What he was saying is the dwelling place of God is now accessible. <laughs> Do you know that in heaven right now there is a man fully clothed in physical flesh that's glorified? His name is Jesus. Which is why we now can access that reality and pull heaven's reality to the earth. Is there sickness in heaven? So I can pull that reality, yeah. Is there, is there depression in heaven? Is there, is there a recession in heaven? That means you can double give this month. <laughs> Just teasing you guys. Do you understand? Do you, do you see what I mean? That heaven is a coexisting reality. I live from that reality to you. I was just in um, China recently and um, I was working with some guys out there who run a foster home. And uh, a foster home for severely um, 
disabled uh, children all under the age of five. And uh, I went in to go and minister there and it was, I mean, it was just difficult. I don't know if you've ever been in those kinds of contexts where everything inside of you is being challenged and you kind of go, well, God, if you are a healer, you've got to show up today because uh, if this doesn't work yet, it's not going to work anywhere. And I remember being in this context and uh, thinking, Lord Jesus, it's really hard. And I was starting to come out, I was getting these blinding headaches because there's a real spirit of death in this kind of, there's a hospital associated with it. There's a real spirit of death because they'd lost numbers of kids because of the severe disabilities. And I remember standing and thinking, God, I can't do this, this is horrible. And then they asked me to teach on healing and faith for healing. And I'm thinking, sweet Jesus, people are dying here. And you're expecting me to teach on healing, how am I going to do this? And I was reminded, <coughs> Julian, where do you live? And I was like, in Britain? <laughs> God was like, no, no, where do you live? Now, I realized I'm seated in heavenly places. Which means I can either choose to come under the atmosphere of death that I'm in, or transcend it where I'm really seated, and bring heaven's culture and heaven's atmosphere into this reality. So I taught on healing, and we got our first breakthrough. A woman was unable to move her shoulder for a few years, suddenly began to move it. It's incredible. Half an hour later, we get called into the foster home, where there's a little baby called Ella, beautiful little girl, two years old. She's got what's called fetal fitting syndrome, which means that she has been fitting since she was born for two years. The result is that she lost all of her muscle tone in her body. So she just lay like a little rag doll. No muscle tone, no strength in her muscles. She's very, very sick because they had a bug going wrong. And so when she gets sick, she doesn't just get cold, she gets straight into pneumonia. The problem is that her lungs fill up with gunk and there's no way she can cough it out because there's no muscle tone to cough it out. So they have to use a particular suction thing that then pulls out all of the gunk. And they phoned, they called us in and they said, she's going to die. There's nowhere that she's going to live. Now at that moment, I'm faced with two possible realities. One that says she's going to die. The other that says life is available. Which reality do I choose? Now, I wish I could say that I automatically chose that God is going to heal this child. Now, I had to battle through some things. I had to battle through some unbelief. I had to battle through some real doubt. But as I was standing there seeing her little shallow, her little body and the shallow breathing as she was just about to die, I thought to myself, this girl was created for life. Why am I, why do I have to stand here and watch this? And I began to call out life and declare the goodness of God over little Ella. And thank God she turned around and literally be a cough up stuff, which is a miracle in itself. Because there was no suction. She literally started coughing up all this gunk and started coming out so she could breathe. Two days later, they call us again at one o'clock in the morning. Ella is definitely on her way out. And we've got no resuscitation order because the damage will be too much anyway. Again, what do we do? Well, heaven's reality is greater than this reality. And so we begin to prophesy life over her. We begin to call her to life. 
Uh, we're going to sing. We're going to sing songs over. We're going to declare the goodness of God. It's like you are created for life. You're accepted and beloved. God has got a great future for you. You will not made by accident. You will not discarded by God, even though you're discarded by your family. You're part of His family now. You're His daughter. We're going to prophesy truth. And in a moment. Her vital, because she was on all sorts of drips and all sorts of stuff, all began to change. They pulled up all the drips, everything came out, and she was completely fine. Got an email from my friend over a week and a half ago to say, Good news, Ella is still alive and well, and she's now swallowing on her own. She's been feeding. Yeah, how cool is that? You got good. Yay, God. She's been drip fed. For over six months, because she hasn't been able to swallow. Um, my, my friend um, Tim was telling me that in itself is an incredible miracle because all the little muscles that need to work in order to swallow. We serve a miracle working God. What reality? I stood there going, she's going to die. But hold on a moment. This could actually end in life. What reality do I choose? And so God wants to uh, help us understand that heaven is a coexistent reality that we can interact and that our physical bodies are designed to interact in that realm. The Bible says that we're called to taste and... I was in a worship meeting once. The power of God was moving just amazingly. And I found myself in one of the rooms of heaven. It was like a big old cellar room. And I could see all these amazing sellers, and it said Catherine Kuhlman. If you don't know who Catherine Kuhlman is, she was an amazing healing evangelist in the 70s. Smith Wigglesworth from Bradford, amazing healing evangelist. Charles, and, uh, Charles Wesley, amazing, again, evangelist. All these guys, Whitfield. And I saw God taking um, a, like a hammer and hitting off all of the taps of these vats so that wine was flowing everywhere. And the smell was as real as can be. And God said, I want you to take a glass and drink it. So I did. I went, and I went like this. And as I did, that physical wine filled my mouth. We're crossing over to the other side right now. I'm going to talk about this after the break because we'll have a break now. Physical wine filled my mouth. I got instantaneously intoxicated. What was amazing is that five other people that night had the exact same experience. Because I thought I was going crazy. I was like, Lord Jesus, please. (laughs) Here's the point, and we'll carry on in this in the next session. You are designed to engage in the presence of God. That's why sometimes you feel heat. Um, We've been having wind come into meetings where wind blows around one or two people and you literally see the hair blow around or the clothes blowing or they sense physical wind around them even though the person next to them can't. Because the presence of God's come in in a particular way. Some people will smell a fragrance that just comes into the room and it's like a beautiful burning rose wood that comes in. Some of you might have even experienced that during worship today, just as you're worshiping, suddenly you're like, I'm not wearing that cologne, where does that come from? Some people will see things. One brother just testified to seeing Jesus standing on the stage with me as we were ministering earlier. Um, seeing angels. We'll talk about angels a little bit later too. This is the world of the supernatural. And if we want heaven to touch earth, that's a supernatural reality. 
And when we engage with heaven, anything can happen and it probably will. So in the next session is going to be totally practical. I'm going to touch on some of this stuff. I'm going to touch on engaging in the realm of the spirit physically. We're going to do some, some practical. So like right now, how many of you have been feeling, particularly in the last five minutes as I've been speaking, your left hand suddenly getting hot and burning? Put up your hand very quickly. It's like your left hand just suddenly started sensing a heat sensation. It's like your right hand is fine, but your left hand feels like there's a heat sensation. One person, anyone else? Another person over there. Look, see, these guys, just quickly stand up. We want to bless you very quickly. Actually, just quickly. We want to ask God to release some healing hands in the place. Uh, this often happens to me in meetings. I'll suddenly suffer my left hand, not my right hand, turn my left hand. I don't know why. I can't even give you a scripture for it. But what I do know is that when it happens, healing starts happening all over the place. So, Father, we want to bless these folks right now. They're standing right now in Jesus. That dear brother, the blue top one, you're called to healing ministry. And God is going to begin to unlock a flow of the miraculous in your life in this next season in a very powerful way. So get ready because he's going to make you wilder than you already are. Because you don't fit the box. So Father, we just release your anointing upon these people right now to lay hands on the sick in particular. Now listen, we're all called to lay hands on the sick, right? But right now we just want to bless what God's already doing and revealing. So just lift up your hands. Father, right now, in Jesus' name, release your anointing in the name of Jesus. We thank you for healing to be released all over this place. So you guys need to be ready tonight. You're probably going to be on my healing team. Lord, we just release healing right now in Jesus' name. Amen. When we come back, we're going to talk some more. Yeah, let's give God a huge clap offering.